0: Okay, what we're doing for two weeks while I kind of get my gears ready for um, uh, uh, the biblical literacy series, which I'm so excited about getting to teach again, I, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm really excited. This will not be a rehash of the last one. This will be a seminary level course with some fun things built into it that, that uh, uh, just really has me excited over the chance to teach it. Uh, so I'm looking forward to it, and I'm glad uh, for anyone who'll be there. The Student Center—it's worth just showing up, just to go over there. They have these huge high-definition TV things, and I'm—I may sit down and watch the class with you. It just looks like it—you know—I could stand up here and go, and it'd be fine. Um, but anyway, so for the two weeks until we get started. I'm just opening a a little glimpse into some of my quiet time. So I, I believe that you're not supposed to pray in public, but that's a different concept than me saying to you, let me tell you some of the things that mean a lot to me in my quiet time in hopes that they might be something useful to you and yours. And if you don't have quiet time then perhaps uh, uh, this might be a good time for you to to start and it might give you the impetus for it. So I want to start with uh, uh, U2. U2 is, uh, 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 I was a big fan of U2 in the 80s and uh, still today. Here I was, it was about 1984, 1985, and I'm going to this church in the Galleria area. And and I'm viewed by the high school kids as a very old guy because I was like 24 or 25 at the time, and um, um, so I was the elder statesman who liked you too. So these guys came up to me. By the way, that's not what they looked like in 1984, 85. Uh, that that was more Bono in 1984, which is why we're going to I'll use sing this to picture so they came up to me and they asked me about that song we're about to hear called 40. And they said, "Hey, what do you know about it?" And I said, "Well, I know it ends the album, the War album." Yeah, yeah, but have you heard it took them 40 minutes to write it and to record it and to mix it and to replay it. 10 10 10 10 and that's why they named it 40. Or at least that's what we think. What do you think? Do you have some inside scoop? And I said, well, you know, this is before the Internet. So, you know, so like what inside scoop am I going to have? Well, I was talking to Bono the other night and he told me. Um, But uh, uh, so I said, I don't have any inside scoop from the camp, but I can tell you where they got the title from. You can? I said, yeah, not only that, I can tell you Bono uses the New American Standard version of the Bible. What do you mean? I said, those are the first three verses from Psalm 40. So for all of the world hypothesizing about, ooh, where'd that title come from? He didn't write the words. He stole them from David or somebody and he just used the Psalm 40. So here is this the Psalm.
1: Well,
0: the first three verses anyway. we <laughs> Of edited it down from uh, that's a concert version. They use that over four or five hundred times now, at least, to close their concerts, and which is interesting because all those pagans in attendance have no clue what they're doing as they sing this out loud with you, too. You know, as the anthem, the underground never was a hit song that's used to close the concerts. But the psalm itself was one that I got to translate when I was in college out of the Hebrew and so I was able to know it when I heard the song and uh, uh, it's one that I've spent a lot of time in in my quiet time. It's a wonderful psalm for me and you'll find this week and next week, next week I think though I'm not committed, I think we may do Psalm 51 next week but during my quiet time music has meant a lot to me as well and you might be thinking well how quiet is your quiet time? Well... I'm the rock and roll generation, so my quiet time can be noisy and that's okay. Um, but music is something that ministers, and back when I used to have to drive about 45 minutes to work and back every day, it it was very nice to have some Christian music and things in the car. And so music is a big part of my quiet time, and I'm going to plug that into you as well. This morning, though, we're going to look at it through Psalm 40. We'll go through the psalm relatively Uh, at a good pace, I hope, in time so that we can do the points for home. And then I have a five-minute song that we'll play at the end. So if I make it, we'll get out at noon, either way. Psalm 40 is a psalm of deliverance. And so one of my readers sent me a nice email that let me a glimpse into his life as he said, hey, this is a good message for me today. But for one guy who will email me, there's probably at least 20% of us who right now either need deliverance ourselves from something. Some turmoil, some distress, some frustrations, or we know someone who does. And so as you hear this psalm and as we teach this psalm, and even as you pray through the psalm, my urging to you is, even if it's not one where you're in a position of distress, where you're saying, hey, I need that, think about someone who does and pray it on their behalf. Reach, you, be an intercessor. Reach out to them with this psalm. So what I've done as I've worked through this psalm over the years is seen the way the psalm naturally divides itself into two sections. The first section is the first 10 verses and that's where the psalmist thanks the Lord for delivering him in the past. Psalm of deliverance. So he first thanks him for delivering him in the past and and in the process he'll spend three verses describing the deliverance that came. Then he'll spend two verses singing praise to the Lord for the deliverance and finally he'll show how that has changed his life, how God's deliverance has worked within him and he expresses his gratitude through obedience and through telling others about the Lord. That's the first half. Here's what's happened before. And then there's a second half. And in the second half, he's praying for present deliverance. In other words, God, you've delivered me in the past. I'm thankful for it. I want to sing a song of praise and I want to tell everybody about it and I want to live responsively. But right now, I need your help again. I need deliverance right now. And so he starts with a prayer or a proclamation to God as a God of mercy. And then after that he says, let me tell you the problems I'm facing. And he pours out his distress to the Lord. And then he concludes by asking and pleading for God to come and be his deliverer. And so that's the structure of the psalm and the way we'll look at it. We'll start with the first section, which is where he thanks God for the deliverance he's gotten in the past. Specifically those first three verses. And this is the part that's the U2 song. So you've kind of seen it with uh, the New American Standard Version. But now I'm going to give it to you with the English Standard Version. I waited patiently for the Lord. That's pretty good. I'm not a patient waiter. I hate to wait. Hi, Marcy. We've been praying for you. Welcome back. (laughs) You only have one kidney now. But we'll pray that your kidney stays healthy, okay? And thank you for saving the life of Diane Brewer and several others. Um, I waited, yes, amen. I waited patiently for the Lord. Diane Brewer could sing that. She waited patiently, and Marcy came to the rescue. Diane had been on the transplant list for a couple of years. And it was give her, I mean, it was time, or she didn't have much time. And so uh, I waited patiently on the Lord. I'm not a patient waiter. One of my legal mentors was a fella who had an expression, and I always thought it was humorous. He did not. He always said it in earnest. You you did not approach him, generally, to talk. He wouldn't even talk. He lived with one focus. Bless his heart, never had children because he said they would get in the way of his career. I guess in a way that might be better than having children and treating them like they would get in the way of his career. At least he didn't have them, but but that he was just that narrow-minded. All he wanted to do was be the best lawyer in the world, and so if you tried to to have a discussion with him, I, I many other times I'd be in his office and. Or we'd be visiting somewhere, and one of his lawyers would come in and say, "Uh, mister So uh, Show-and-so, I've got a problem with this. And he'd look at me and go, net, net. You know, it wasn't even, what's the bottom line, or give me the net. It's net, net. I want the net of the net. Okay? I mean, net, net. And, And you'd start saying, and if you got three words out and he understood where you were going, he'd say, I got it, I got it, I got it! Stop! I got it! And he'd pronounce from on high and the guy would leave or the gal would leave. Um, I I hope to never be that way. Patience is a virtue. But for some reason with the Lord, I'm not as patient as I hope to be with my children, my family, and my friends, my co-workers. Because God should be able to do things immediately. (laughs) And I would like... Him to live on my time schedule Instead of making me live on his But the psalmist says I waited patiently for the Lord And in that patient waiting God inclined to him That means literally God turned his ear God turned his ear to hear What what the cry was What the distress was Is there some reassurance to you? that as you cry out to the Lord, as you wait for the Lord, as you wait for your deliverance, that God is not deaf. He has turned his ear. I had a friend who said to me the other day, he says, one day God's going to hear me and answer my prayer. And I said to him, he's, a, he's young in Christ And so this is something many of us have heard and understand, but it was new to him. I said, oh, God's turned his ear to you. He has heard you. And he has answered your prayer. He just hasn't said yes. He's either said no, or he said not yet. But it's not that God's got earwax and needs to have his ear canal irrigated. And he's not busy working on Nebula 3. He has turned his ear. He's heard your cry. God, the psalmist says, drew me up from the pit of destruction. Now, the psalms, as I told you when we looked at an earlier psalm, the psalms use words in such an ambiguous manner that there are multiple layers of meaning. Meaning. This is part of the poetry. The pit of destruction, what the words actually mean in the Hebrew is the pit of rushing noises. So it might be the rushing noise of of Sheol and the underworld, some scholars think. It might be the rushing noise of things just being destroyed as the wind tears them apart, hurricane force. Or it might be the rushing noise of water and rapids that are shooting that would kill you if you're stuck in them. This word's used for all of those different areas in the Old Testament. But the point is, he says, that's where I was. I was down in this pit. There's no way out. I'm down in a keep deep cavern shooting class 5 rapids. With no hope of survival. And God brought me up from the pit of destruction. He brought me out of the miry clay. The miry clay is, is basically uh, uh, um, quicksand. Miry clay was clay that, that, that you got stuck in. Or a miry bog, some translations say. But it's, it's, it's a bog where you get in it. And the more you struggle, the deeper you go. And you can't get out unless someone rescues you. This is the, when you're in, you know, in a hole, first thing you do is quit digging. Okay? This is even worse. This is when you're stuck somewhere. The psalmist is saying, i got to tell you, I was in a pit where the noise was so loud I could tell everything was being destroyed. No way out. Struggle as I might, I was sinking deeper and deeper in trouble. This is the problem I was having. And when I approached this psalm, And I read it and I think about it. When I'm in a time in my life where that's going on, this has brought me great solace. Because it's the same God and the same ear. And He can do for me what He did for this psalmist. And so I read this and I love the fact that He set the psalmist's feet Up on a rock, on a hard surface, instead of the miry bog. He made his steps secure. He could walk. He could move. He was free. Redemption from the pit to a high rock. Redemption from the miry bog, from the quicksand, to a solid foundation to walk on. God brought deliverance. And the psalmist says it says not only did He deliver me, but He put a new song in my mouth. He gave me a song of praise to our God. Now there's a transition that happens in the psalm at this point. It's no longer, let me tell you what my Lord did, what my God did, and here's where I was, and here's what was happening to me, and here's what he did for me, and here's where it left me, and he put a new song in my mouth, but now it becomes ours because the psalmist is opening the circle up. And he says, I'm going to sing a song of praise to our God. Now the psalmist is including you. See, now the psalmist is including me. We're in this now. Now, the God who did that's our God. And that's really good for me. And I love the fact that he's got a song of praise in his mouth. And he says, many will see. Many will fear. Fear, hold in awe. Not feared like a scared kid, you know, of the dark. But but fear in in a reverential sense. Many will see, many will have respect and reverence and awe and put their trust in the Lord. Did the psalmist ever have a clue that what he was going through was for you? Did the psalmist ever have a clue that what God delivered him from was a deliverance with a new song in his mouth that would get written down, that would make it into Holy Scripture for you and me? Thousands of years later, what God did for that psalmist is being proclaimed through song, psalm, to us. And so the past deliverance is described and the song of praise is brought out. And the song of praise starts out with blessed. Now, that's not Baruch, which is a common Hebrew word for blessed. This is a Hebrew word that means happy, happy. Happy is the man who makes the Lord his trust. Many will see, many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. And if you put your trust in the Lord, you're happy. Happy will be the person who's in the pit of of destruction who's in the quicksand of life, who's who's distressed, who's stuck, who doesn't have answers, who's hurting, who's fearful, who's frustrated, who can't seem to make it work. Happy is the person who puts their trust in the Lord. Even though they may have to wait patiently, they will find happiness in the Lord. One of the things I was amazed at when we did church history was how many of the martyrs were singing as they were burning at the stake. Songs of joy and worship. Doesn't mean necessarily, happy doesn't mean life is perfect, peachy, dandy and everything you want it to be. It means, to quote the famous song, you've got the joy, 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 joy. Down in your heart. Where? Okay, that's what it means. So happy will be the person who puts their trust in the Lord. Happy will be the person who doesn't turn to the proud and to those who go astray after a lie. Now, the Hebrew has an idea here, the way the words are used, that is talking about idols and false idols. And the the translators have expanded it a little bit, but only because the principle is true either way. Now, most of us don't have little clay figurines like that, that we say, oh, gee, God's not here to help me. I better ask my clay figurine. OK, most of us don't have that. We have other idols we go to. Sometimes they're people. Sometimes they're substances. Um, I'll, I'll I'll be transparent to you. One of mine is shopping. You know, there's nothing a good shopping trip won't make you feel better about. I, 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 it, it may not be very masculine of me, except I like to buy masculine things. You know, I'm not out shopping for a dress. But I, my great-grandmother... My grandmother's mother, Grandmother Tommy, um, I did her funeral uh, probably 23 years ago. But my great-grandmother, if your life was miserable and you went to her, she'd give you money to go get your hair done. (laughs) Rachel called me last week, very distressed. She'd had several nights without much sleep. She was trying to do tests. Dad, I just I just don't know. I'm just all upset. I said, honey, I want you to do me two favors. She said, what's that? I said, I want you to get some sleep tonight. But between now and tonight, go eat some chocolate. (laughs) I'm convinced between shopping and chocolate. And a burrito at Chipotle. (laughs) You can you can really help a lot now. The, 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 the scare is, it's one thing to use these as sent from the Lord to help you through your difficulty. It's another thing to let it become your idol so you don't turn to the Lord. I'm using silly examples. And we've got to always be careful. You know the story about the fella drowning, gets on the roof. I'm going to wait for the Lord so he doesn't leave the town. The, the waters rise. Uh, here comes a boat. Get on. No, I'm waiting for the Lord. And the waters rise. He gets on the chimney. Here comes another boat. No, I'm waiting for the Lord. And the waters rise. And he's on his tiptoes. And the helicopter comes. You you grab a hold. No, I'm waiting on the Lord. And the waters rise. And he drowns. And he goes to see the Lord. And he says, I waited for you. And God says, don't blame me. I sent two boats and a helicopter. (laughs) You know, God works through people. We know that. Okay, waiting on the Lord doesn't mean you just sit down and Close the drapes and watch Bonanza reruns until the problem goes away. Waiting on the Lord can mean get yourself in gear because God wants you moving to try and figure something out. But never lose sight of true north. That's what he's saying here. So watch the extremes, and I'll watch the extremes. But I don't ever want to go chasing someone else for my answers. I want my answers to be from the Lord. He says, you've multiplied, oh, Lord, my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts toward us. You've multiplied them. You've taken two and made it four and made it eight and made it 16, 32, 64, 128, 256, more and more and more. That's God's wondrous deeds and thoughts. He's not failing to think of you right now. I have a friend who has a ministry for, for couples that, that are, have had gone through adultery. And uh, uh, my friend was, was uh, 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 telling, in fact, he's trying to get it on the Internet. It's a business enterprise if you want to invest in treating adultery. Um, I'll give you all the info on it. But he's pitching it to us. And in the process, he told us some of his story. And he said, I was going to go to my wife and tell my wife I'd committed adultery. And before I did it, I went to my preacher and I said, I think I got to go to my wife and tell her this. And I'm afraid of what she's going to do. And he said, my preacher looked at me and he said, blank. He said, what is the real penalty for sin? And, and my friend knew the Bible well, and he said, Death. And the preacher said, that's right. So anything she does short of kill you is an act of mercy. And you need to see it that way. In other words, we're getting good stuff from the Lord even when we feel like we're in distress and he's turned his ear away from us instead of toward us. We're breathing today. I was able to walk in here. My grandmother... Said to me yesterday, I was going to push her in in a wheelchair. She came to watch uh, her great-granddaughter play basketball. She said, I'm going to walk. If I get halfway there, I'll stop and rest. But I want to walk. I need to walk. She's able to walk. It's not easy. But it's something to thank the Lord for. None can compare with the Lord. I'll proclaim. I'm going to tell everybody of His great deeds. But even still, they're more than I can tell. God is doing more wonderful things for us than we can ever tell. And I'm going to praise His name for it. And that's His song of praise for past deliverance. His gratitude's going to be expressed. He says, how am I going to do it? Well, I'm not going to go kill a a lamb or just give up a meal. God's not looking for me to repay Him. You know, in kind. Don't think because God's done you an act of mercy, you're able to pay him back and even the score. I've got another good friend. You cannot do him a favor without him trying to do you one back that's a little bit better. Because he always wants to have the score in his favor. I'll give you his name and address. Send him $10. He'll send you 11 He's a great <laughs> friend to have. The psalmist says, I delight to do your will, oh my God. Your law is in my heart. Here's my response to God. My response is not, okay, I'm going to sacrifice and go kill a dove to to even out the score with the Lord. Instead, I've got the joy in my heart. He's changed who I am. He's rescued me. And I'm going to live to show the world I worship a God who is not just God, but he is my Lord, and I follow him. And I'm going to follow his path. And that's why. And he says, not only that, I've told everybody the good news of deliverance. I've been shouting it from the rooftop. I've told them God is faithful. God is steadfast in his love. God has salvation for his people. And I'm going to sing it and let everybody know it. And that's the response of the psalmist. Waited patiently. God rescued him. Praise the Lord. And I'm going to tell everybody about it. That's fantastic. But with that, we move to his prayer for present deliverance. He says, okay, now all that's in the past. Now let's talk about today. And I love this. Oh, I just love this. He says, first, God, would you please reveal your mercies? Please reveal your mercy. As for you, O Lord, don't restrain your mercy from me. You won't. I know you won't, but don't. Your steadfast love and faithfulness, will it ever preserve me? Now, this can be read as the psalm asking it or as the English Standard Version, the psalm proclaiming it. But either way, it's, it's his heart to the Lord. It's his prayer to the Lord. Lord, don't restrain your mercy. I need your steadfast love. I need these faithful, this faithfulness. I need these things from you because I'm in bad trouble right now. Evils have encompassed me beyond number. My iniquities, that doesn't mean his sin, though his sin may have brought it on. Iniquities, it means uh, 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 like the bad stuff visiting him. If you got sick, that would be an iniquity. You know, uh, the, my iniquities have overtaken me. They're more than I, I can't see. They outnumber the hairs on my head. I, I, I'm heart sick. I can't handle it. I'm surrounded. They're on top. They're around. They're behind me. Things are bad. And when you pray through a psalm like this, when I pray through a psalm like this, I've hit this psalm sometimes where my life could not be better. I've hit this psalm sometimes and I've thought, well, gee, this is kind of a waste of quiet time. I'm doing pretty good today. Lord, I pray I'll never have to be like that guy right there. That's not what we need to do. When we hit psalms like this, if you're not in distress, every one of us knows someone who is. So you pray it for them. You pray, God, would you... I've got a friend and evils have encompassed them. I've got a family member. They're beyond numbers. They don't even understand it, but they've taken them over. They outnumber the hairs on their head. For some people, that's more than others, admittedly. But that could be a lot. And their heart fails them. So would you please deliver them? And here's the plea for deliverance. And I love this. Look what he says. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. Make haste to help me. You're my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, O oh, my God. Do you see what just happened here? Look at this. Pious. I waited patiently for the Lord. He heard my troubles. He lifted me out. But now things have gotten really bad. So patience, be gone. Hurry, please. Please. Okay, this is, he ain't waiting patiently this time, is he? This time it's like, hey, don't delay. We need it now. It's time for you to be not just God, but superhero. And I love the humanity in this psalm. Because I don't know many people who are in distress who really want to wait patiently. This is much more honest. I'm not saying he was dishonest before. I'm just saying that at this point in time, you know, it's, it's, it's like the psalm itself. This psalm starts out with, hey, Lord, thank you for past deliverance. And now let me tell you the current problem, which is a great approach to the Lord. You know, if you're going through distress right now or you're counseling someone who is, let me give you a prescription. Think of a time when God delivered you and thank Him for it. You know, they they had in the Old Testament times, they would build pillars of stone to mark events and occasions. You know, cast it in concrete in your brain, if nothing else. When God delivers you, I don't care if you write a journal. I I don't care if you... uh, uh, do something. I I I don't, I don't care what you do, but do something to signpost it, to mark it in your life. That's one of the beautiful things about baptism. Was there ever a time in my life where I truly know that I had said, "I'm making a decision, Lord. I I I I want you as my Lord and Savior. I put my trust in you." Well, yeah, I know I've done that. Well, I know it anyway, but. But isn't it nice to be able to go back to your baptism and look at your baptism and say, hey, you know, there is a physical signpost. There's something that happened in my life. There is no doubt in my mind. And we've got those, but we need to build them sometimes. Because when we have times of distress, it is a wonderful prescription to say, wait a minute. As Psalm forty two says, These things I will remember as I pour out my heart to the Lord, how I used to go with the throng, you know, and my heart will rejoice, and I will sing because I'll put my trust in him. I know he's my help, I know he's my deliverer. I don't feel it, I don't see it, I'm not I'm not in the, the the vibe of it, but I know it. I know my deliverer is coming. He may not be here yet, but he's been faithful. He was faithful to the Egyptians by the Nile. He was faithful to Jesus. He was faithful to Mary and Joseph. He is a faithful deliverer, and I may not see it, and I may not feel it, but I know it. Now, there are psalms where the psalmist doesn't start out remembering the past There are some where he's just so desperate, he starts right in and says, okay, look, I need help. I need it now. I need you to go kill all the bad guys, and I need you to lift me up. So there are times for each, but this is this one. Points for home. I waited patiently for the Lord. Yeah, that's big talk at the beginning, but at the end, it's hurry up. Yeah, hurry up and be patient, okay? Okay. I waited patiently for the Lord. He heard my cry. I want to tell you, you can wait for wait for the Lord. He is faithful. He will never break his promise. He is filled with steadfast love. He is filled with covenant loyalty. He's not an unfaithful God. He's not going to trade you in on a better model. He doesn't have a limited zero sum. His love is not a zero sum game where he only has so much to spread around. And he's given you some, but he's going to have to take some away to give to someone else. That's not our God. So you wait, be as patient as you can, but it doesn't hurt to tell him to hurry up. He can handle it from the Psalms and put it in Scripture so you know it's okay. Don't hide his deliverance. I have some friends, uh, actually, I have family members who ask a, a fellow to church that they would known for a long time, and the fellow's not a believer. He's an, ag, an atheist. And, and uh, they were talking to him after he came to church and said, So, how was it? Was it brutally painful? Did you hate it? Will you ever come back? And he said, I got to tell you something. I always wondered how much you cared for me. And my family member said, What do you mean? He said, well, if you really believe Jesus is the Lord and you really believe he brings redemption, I always wondered why you never invited me to church, because you would probably think I'm going to hell. And if you cared for me, you wouldn't want me to. And my, my family member said, no, I just never wanted to offend you. I didn't think you'd want to come and tried to explain that it wasn't callousness. And I'm telling you, if you've got anybody you want to invite to church, we're not going to hide the Lord's deliverance. But when we teach through the Bible, we're not going to do it with arrogance and haughtiness. We're not going to do it saying, hey, here's the Southern Baptist Convention and let me shove it down your throat. We're going to say, hey, here are legitimate questions. Here are legitimate ideas. Here's the story. Here's what we know. Here's what we don't know. But it's all going to be in a very non-threatening manner that tells the story of deliverance. So I urge you to bring anybody that you can and let's not keep quiet. Be pleased to deliver me, O Lord. Lord, please deliver me. Now, I want to close this with a song, and this is a song that's got this driving, pulsing beat to me. This is a song, if you don't know it, it's a song by Rich Mullins, My Deliverer. And it came out after he died. So it's got some other people who've done the work on it. I've cut it down from six minutes to five, but I've got five minutes to go. So listen to this song. If it helps, read the words. If it doesn't, close your eyes. But listen to the confidence in this song. This song is one that changes my life every time I hear it. This will be our closing prayer as well.
1: Joseph took his wife and her child, and they went to Africa to escape the of a deadly king. There along the bed of the Nile, Jesus listened to the song that the captive children used to sing. Broken heart my heart
0: Give me 15 seconds to pray, please. Lord, I don't know the needs out here and with friends and loved ones of people that I worship with today. But I know that there are needs. And I know that there are hurts and I know there's anxiety and I know there's worry and I know there's fear and I know there's frustration and I know there's questions. And uncertainty And it is my prayer that through your Holy Spirit you will reach down into each heart with a confidence and a faith in you, the Deliverer, and that you are coming, that you're standing by, and in your time you will bring your deliverance as you have done for the ages. We are your children and we wait for you. In Jesus' name, amen.